Everybody, I hope that today has been a blessing already. I know it has uh, for me. If you've got a Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter one. I uh, just wanna remind you guys that our Christmas Eve service is uh, gonna start at 4 p.m. online only, but then after 4 p.m., it'll be on demand uh, for the rest of the evening. And really my, my hope for that service and the reason why we don't do it in person is because we really uh, wanted to try uh, this idea that you're, you're probably gonna be with family. You're probably gonna be with people who may never step foot in a church building. And so I thought, what, what a great way for us to really connect them and, and, and connect you together. And maybe for the first time, uh, they would experience church. And so I uh, wanna encourage you, be with your family. Uh, if you don't have family coming over, uh, invite some friends. Uh, my message is geared directly toward folks who, who uh, have, have never been to church or maybe haven't been to church in a long time. So I hope it's an encouragement. And then next Sunday, the, the day after Christmas is an online service only as well. Uh, you guys know it takes hundreds of volunteers to make Sunday work. And so uh, the day after Christmas is one of those where everybody travels and it's extremely difficult uh, to make that happen. And so uh, a lot of you guys are traveling. We thought an online service would be a great opportunity as well. So just so you guys know what's going on in the next couple of days. I, I do love Christmas and it's definitely uh, just one of my favorite times of the year. I'm sure many of you uh, are the same way. People seem to be a little bit more uh, giving. They seem to be a little bit uh, in, in, in a better mood during the Christmas uh, holidays. And I think part of that is because uh, we have our, our expectations uh, of, are very high when it comes to Christmas. So we've got high expectations. We are excited because of those expectations. And, and, and our mood is, is increased. Our, our energy is, is increased. Our outlook on life in a lot of ways is a little bit brighter. And, and uh, I think especially for our kids. And so if you've got kids, you know this to be true. Uh, if you've got little kids, especially, Christmas is one of those things where they're just excited about presents and uh, they've got high expectations, don't they? And, uh, so, you know, that Christmas morning, they're going to wake up early. They're going to come wake you up and uh, they're going to want to get after those presents. And uh, they're excited. You're excited because... You know, you get a little time off of work, probably. Or kids are excited because they get a little time uh, off of school. And so our expectations uh, for Christmas just seem to be positive. And, and uh, we get to see family, and some, most of the family we get to see is, is going to be good, right? And so uh, there's some high expectations there to maybe see some family you haven't seen in a while. And, and uh, I think all of that is part of Christmas, the expectation and the nostalgic feeling that we get as we, as we come into this season. But I wanted you to think about this this morning. What happens when your expectations don't get met? We all experience that in life. We all experience things where, you know, we have a high expectation for a certain thing and, and then those expectations aren't met. What do you do in that moment? Uh, a story in my life happened in 1989. If you can think back to 1989 for a minute, uh, Bobby Brown was singing My Prerogative. Uh, nobody wore seat belts, and uh, we all thought Millie Vanilli was actually singing, right? How many of you were alive during that time? All right, that, that, that was 1989. And, and uh, for that Christmas, all my mother wanted for Christmas was uh, a precious moment. Uh, how many ladies in the room collected precious moments back in the day, right? Yep, that was uh, uh, what we call a stupid figurine. 
that we would collect and, and then we would put them in those cabinets. I'm just kidding. Uh, but if, if you're young, you don't know what those are. So here's a picture. This is, this is a picture of a precious moment. Uh, here's another picture of a precious moment. Now, my, my mom, all she wanted for Christmas was precious moments. And so I remember my sisters got her precious moments and she was so excited. And then my brother uh, got her precious moments. And then my dad got her like this whole Christmas village. You know, they, they had all these like big, you know, sets and things. And she was so happy that Christmas morning. And she was, you know, she would immediately open them up and she was setting them out. And, and um, we got to the last present. And uh, the last present in, in our house usually was kind of the better, you know, kind of grand finale, right? And so I thought I was gonna be a helpful you know, little brother. My heart was to be a servant, right? And so I was gonna, I was gonna hand out the last present to everybody. Somebody's gotta be the hander outer. And so, you know, in my excitement, you know, mind you, I was trying to be helpful. I jump up and my big foot like comes across mom's Christmas village and just wipes them all out. I mean, I just trash the whole thing and there, you know, pieces are flying everywhere. And everybody just kind of gasped in that moment. We were like, <gasps> mouths were dropped, right? And I felt like Kevin in Home Alone. Kevin, you idiot, you know? <laughs> and my mom, as sweet you know, as she is, she was the kindest and sweetest woman ever, right? And so she couldn't hide the devastation on her face. In fact, she actually started to tear up, right? And as the tears coming down her cheek, she said, Trent, don't worry about it. Your, your dad, he can, he can glue them together. <laughs> and we all look at dad and he's like, I'm not a miracle worker. I can't fix that mess right there, right? Um, that pretty much ruined the vibe of Christmas, right? Uh, that ruined my day. I felt terrible all day. It took me a long time to get over that. Uh, everybody was just kind of down. It just kind of put like a dark cloud on the whole exciting day. And and, and, and I think back to that, and it just reminds me that for my mom on that day, uh, her expectations weren't met for Christmas, and, and mine weren't met. My whole family's expectations were kind of crushed in that moment. And I think for a lot of people, you might be here today, you might be listening today, and, and uh, you've got to realize that there are going to be mistakes that happen in your life, and sometimes it's other people's mistakes that, that mess up your expectations, and sometimes it's your own mistakes that mess up your expectations. And, and life has a way of doing that. Life has a way of throwing us curveballs. Life has a way of, of, of just kind of entering in and doing things that we never dreamed would happen. And as I think about the first Christmas, I, I imagine Joseph's expectations were smashed when he realized and learned that his fiance was pregnant. And he didn't need Mari Povich and the paternity test to prove it. Like he knew this was not mine. Imagine in that moment though, how he must have felt, right? Think about it for just a minute. He's engaged to be married to Mary. He's excited to start his new life. He's excited like all of us were when we first got married. And then boom, Joseph, I'm pregnant. We know it's not yours. It's actually the son of God I'm still a virgin, but it's a miracle pregnancy. Imagine how in that one conversation, Joseph's life and his expectations were just demoralized. 
right? Let's read the story in Matthew chapter one together. Verse 18 says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, they hadn't slept together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, circle that word in your Bible, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as she considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, when we read the story, we're reminded that Joseph's expectations uh, for his life had to be crushed on the day that he learned that his fiance was pregnant. And again, life has devastating moments for each and every one of us. And God never gets your permission. He never gives you a heads up. He never gives you and I, you know, the chance to approve what he's about to do. And he certainly didn't ask uh, Mary and Joseph for their opinion. She's found with child, right? And this had to be the worst news and the craziest news that Joseph had ever heard. So he was in a very difficult position. What do you do? when you face a devastating issue like this. Some of you are today in a really tough and difficult position in your life. You're trying to find answers. You're trying to make the right decision. Like Joseph, what are you gonna do? And I'm sure that he was asking a lot of the questions that you and I have asked in our life. And so I think one of the things that tends to happen when we go through a devastating moment or when, when, when our expectations aren't met is we start asking a lot of questions and things can begin to kind of spiral down if we don't handle them in the right way. And so the question I think that Joseph is asking and what maybe some of you are asking today is, will life ever get better? We're coming off one of the hardest years that you've probably ever had. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have lost businesses. Some of you are struggling financially. There's been a lot of change and a lot of uh, expectations for all of us that that probably haven't been met. And and we're all kind of wondering, is life ever gonna get better? Is life ever going to improve? Is life ever gonna get more happy and What I want us to do today is I want us to look at the life of Joseph and I wanna share some hope with you today. Because as we look at the life of Joseph, as as we see how he interacts and how the the decisions that he makes uh, actually uh, are are exactly what the Lord would have him to do. And and so I I would hope that that we could see that and and be encouraged today. So if you wanna jot some things down, the first thing that Joseph does is that Joseph resisted the urge to act rashly. Now, young people, the word rashly just simply means that, that you respond without thinking, right? It's the quick response. You don't take time to consider. You don't take time to, to actually think through. And so in verse 19, it says that Joseph 
was going to divorce her quietly. Now you might think, man, divorce sounds pretty rash, but at that time, if you're engaged, you're you're and you're and this woman gets pregnant, you're you know, you're gonna run for the hills. It's it's over at that point. But one of the things that I, I think leads us to believe that it wasn't like a rash decision for him is that he wanted to separate quietly, right? He, he wanted uh, to, to do this in a way that wouldn't humiliate her. Obviously, he's devastated. His life has been upside, turned upside down. Uh, he's brokenhearted, right? He's wondering if things are ever gonna get better. And with all those emotions, he's still... Uh, is able to put her needs and, and he's still able to think about her uh, in this moment. He doesn't want to ruin her reputation. Now, let's pause for a minute. That's exactly the opposite of our world. Our world wants to trash people on social media immediately. We wanna expose and condemn and shame, right? That's our natural reaction oftentimes because of sin. But when he finds this out about Mary, he wanted to do this the right way. And he probably also wanted, you know, he was struggling like us. I'm sure he wanted to do what every dude in the room would have wanted to do if that were to happen to us. We wanted to go beat somebody up, right? But he doesn't. The Bible says that he is a just man. And so he's seeking to do the right thing. He's a righteous man. And so he can't just marry her immediately because then that is kind of like admitting that he's guilty, Everybody would assume that, oh man, he slept with her before, look at this, and oh man, they're just gonna be ostracized now. So he's in that tight spot uh, as well. And so when he's thinking about that, he's, he's still unwilling to expose her publicly and say, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, she's sleeping around and trying to humiliate her in that way. He refuses to do that. It would have ruined her. Nobody would have you know, married her uh, after that event, if she was a single mom at that time, she would have never been able to get married and she would have been humiliated and destitute. But, but look at verse 20 again. He took time to consider his actions. So when Joseph was faced with the impossible, when he's facing this unmet expectation in his life, he takes time to consider his reaction. He doesn't rush to judgment. He doesn't act impulsively. He doesn't act rashly, right? He actually takes time to consider. We don't know how long that time was. Could have been days, could have been weeks, we're not sure. But he considers this. He takes time to process this. And while he's processing this, and I'm sure praying through this, uh, he has a dream. God sends him a dream. Verse 20 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So God chooses to show him and to give him a dream, to give him divine direction, right? And so the second thing that Joseph does is that Joseph listened to God and then he alters his plan. He's immediately kind of thinking about walking away from her, divorcing her quietly. He has this dream, God speaks to him. And as a result, he decides to respond in such a way that he would alter his plans. And now why is God starting with don't be afraid? Well, obviously because he was afraid. He was afraid to marry her. He was afraid to follow God. He was, a, he was afraid to trust God in that moment like many of us. In the dream, Joseph trusts that this was in fact a God thing. It was a divine intervention. And so he decides to marry Mary. 
And so he listens to God. He decides to alter his plan, right? And some of you are, are in not this situation, but you're in another situation, right? You've got a marriage issue. You've got a work issue. You've got a, a personal issue. It's a, maybe a private thing. Whatever it is, you're kind of dealing with this and you're hurting and you're frustrated with how things are turning out. Your expectations have been shattered and you're afraid like Joseph to trust God. You're afraid to take a step of faith and do what God is asking you to do. And so what do we do in that moment? How do we know that things are gonna get better when we're experiencing this? And let me give you a few things. First of all, things are gonna get better when you resist the urge to act rashly, right? When you begin to resist the urge to respond rashly out of your emotions, right? That's kind of our natural instinct that we wanna do. How many times have you jumped to a conclusion? How many times have you made assumptions and then boom, out of your anger, out of your frustration, you make a decision, right? It's over. You know, you're yelling and upset and angry about what's happening and your response jumps to conclusions, makes assumptions, and then later on you find out the truth and then you have to backpedal. Or worse, you pretend like it didn't even happen and you just sweep it under the rug and then nobody ever talks about it. Listen, we wanna operate under the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? We wanna live by the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That requires us to slow down. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. You might call it spirit-controlled, right? In, in, in that, we allow the Holy Spirit to calm us down. Self-control means that you're managing those emotions and not letting them rule over you. And so instead of responding with fear, um, we respond with faith. We slow down. We respond in love. We take time to cool down in the midst of the chaos. We, we step out of that. We, we, that would require us to kind of step out of social media, step out of the heated room and begin to process and to begin to think about how we best could respond. This is, I think, what Joseph had to do. He had to take time to consider his response. Instead of hating God, blaming God, we don't see that in the scripture. He takes time to consider his decision. And I think things will begin to get better in your life, no matter what you're facing. When you begin to practice this on a regular basis, don't jump to conclusions. We resist the urge to act rashly. But then secondly, we do, just like Joseph is doing here, you take time to hear from God and process with a safe person. We wanna hear from God and we wanna process with a safe person. Now for Joseph, he hears from God in a dream and the safe person is an angel. Now, let me just say, God might speak to you in a dream. He might send you an angel, but probably most likely not. <laughs> so we can't expect that. But what we do have is the word of God. We have the word of God that is here for us, that allows the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We have the truth of his word on the pages of the Bible. And not only that, God created us and he created us to be in a relationship with a community of believers that he calls the church, right? And so in the word of God, in prayer, and by being in relationships with God's people, you're able to process the many problems that you're gonna experience in life. Now, if you don't care about God's word, you're, 
your decisions are not gonna be based on God's principles, right? And so anytime, you know, we just make decisions that are contrary to God's will, it's always gonna bring pain. It's always gonna bring suffering. It's always gonna break relationships and hurt people. And so if you aren't in these healthy relationships, if you don't have safe people in your life um, and you're not in the word of God, then obviously you're gonna make a lot of wrong turns, right? Sometimes you're gonna feel like a, a, a pinball in a pinball machine if you, if you remember what those are, right? Making the wrong decision and boom, and boom, and boom, and kind of all over the place. And, and so we need the word of God and we need safe people. Now, what is a safe person, right? Let me give you a few um, things that I think a safe person actually is. First of all, a safe person loves Jesus and loves you, right? And so this takes time, right? You've got to kind of see if they actually do love Jesus. Are they walking the walk and not just talking the talk? You know, does their life demonstrate a pure love for Jesus? And, and, and not only that, but do they actually love you? Now, listen, we all have people that say they love Jesus, but their actions, you know, don't back that up. And you probably have, you know, some friends in your life that say they love you, but then, you look at the life that they, you know, they live and the relationship you have and you're like, ah, I don't really feel the love there. So we do have to be careful. Just because someone says they love the Lord or says they love you, that doesn't mean they actually do. So we're wise in who we choose and we're wise by, by seeing and, and, and looking at the fruit of someone's life. This is number one. Number two is that this needs to be a, a person who's worthy of submission. So we would say this is a man who is worthy, a woman who is worthy for us to submit to. In other words, they are spiritually mature people. You have seen them live a life of the Lord uh, and for the Lord. You have seen them, you have, you have been uh, uh, in, in a relationship with them so that you've seen and, and, and respect them in this way. You've seen them walk the walk and talk the talk. And so you would gladly submit to them. You would never consider a person, a safe person, if you actually weren't gonna listen to them and submit to their advice, right? And so this needs to be a worthy uh, man, a worthy uh, woman. And, and in this, these are people who are influencing you consistently to, to love Jesus and to follow Jesus. This is what that looks like and, and what that means. And then thirdly, I would say, are they accurately handling the Bible? So if someone says, you know, you should get a divorce, that should ring some bells in your life and in your ears because obviously the Bible says that God actually hates divorce. And so, you know, what, what is someone saying the Bible says, um, number one? And, and, and then also, are they even using the Bible? Because, oh man, we live in an opinionated, opinionated society. And so everybody will share their opinion, won't they? Everybody wants to share their two cents. But if it's just your opinion because you, listen to the latest podcast or, you know, you, you watch, you know, a TV show or whatever, or you just even in your own experience, right? Those are, those are you know, wonderful. But, but in a moment of, 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 you know, a situation where we're really struggling, we have big decisions to make. We want somebody who's actually handling the word of God accurately and knows the Bible. And, and so their, their counsel to us will actually be biblical. And so, we know that if their advice would lead to division, if we, we know their advice would lead to gossip or, you know, a multitude of other, you know, negative things, then we know that cannot be biblical advice. And fourthly, I would say a safe person <clears throat> is someone who speaks the truth in love, right? Someone who speaks the truth 
in love. And so, you know, they're not going to come at you in a condemning voice or a judgmental voice. This is someone who you trust loves you. And so in love, they share truth with you. Here's what the Bible says about the, these kinds of situations. So, you know, how do you think God would want you to respond? These are, these are the safe people that we need and, and should desire in our life. They'll tell you when you're off base. They won't be afraid to tell you uh, what needs to be done. They're often gonna tell you, you need to seek repentance and you need to ask for forgiveness. Those are the hard things that uh, they'll ask us to do. And, and so obviously all these qualities take time for us to see. This, this takes time for us to, to know that, that someone is a safe person in our life. And on the other side, you can't just decide that you're a safe person and come up to you know, Pastor Taylor and say, hey, I'm a safe person, Pastor Taylor. Let me just tell you, I love you. I love the Lord. Now here's what I think you should do. <laughs> that's not how that deal works. No, he's got to give you permission to be that person. And he's got to give you permission that, yes, I want that in my life. And, 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 and I want to invite that kind of relationship. And so here's, here's where we all struggle with this idea. We struggle with this idea because it takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. And we often just want to live our lives and do our thing until we need something and then we just want to dial the phone you know, up and ask somebody, okay, what should I do? And then you know, we don't trust that person and there's, there's some awkwardness. And so it takes time to develop this. We have to invest in this, give energy in this. And, and so when we're not doing that, we're just trying to live our life on our own strength. And some of you are doing that. You're just trying to save your relationship by yourself trying to save your marriage on your own. You're trying to save your kids on your own. You're, you're trying to save yourself on your own. How many of you have ever um, been a lifeguard? Maybe in the summer, any lifeguards in the room? A huh? couple, yeah. How many of you used to watch Baywatch? No, I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> David Hasselhoff was a great actor, right? That's why. No, what they teach you in, you know, in lifeguard school, I'm told, I've, I've read this, is that you don't just swim out into the water to a person who is drowning, who is flailing their arms, you know, and just like out of control and just, you know, and the reason is because if you go up to them in that moment, you might get knocked out. They might take you down uh, with them. And so they, they teach that you go out there, you try to calm this person down and you allow them to, to just kind of run out of energy if they don't calm down and almost to the point to where they just like give up and they just kind of let go. And once they're exhausted, once they're out of energy and they give up, then it's kind of easy for the lifeguard just to kind of put their arm around their shoulder and just swim them, you know, back to the shore. You see, for a lot of people in the room, as long as you're trying to save yourself and God isn't in the picture and you're just struggling and you're just trying to do it all on your own, you think, man, I'm just gonna work this out by myself. I can solve my own problems. I can figure this out. I don't need safe relationships. I don't need Jesus. God says, okay, go, go ahead. I'm not gonna force you to follow me. But notice the frustration that you feel. Notice the emptiness that comes along with that. Notice the cycle that you are in. It never feels like anything gets better. The bitterness. 
Sometimes the depression sets in yet again. And see, the reality is God designed you and I to first and foremost need Jesus in our life. So that's step one. We need Jesus in our life. And then secondly, he, did, he designed us to be in relationships with God's people. We need other people. We need that support. We need that encouragement. We need safe people in our life. And, and so you need to stop trying to save yourself. You need to stop trying to work your way out of it. And you've got to begin to understand what confession looks like, what repentance is. Repentance means that we turn from our way of living and we turn to God's way of living our life. It means we accept God's gift of salvation. Verse 21 says, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Some of you have never experienced the life transforming power of this savior named Jesus who came on that first Christmas on a mission to redeem you, to buy you back, to save you from your sin. Right now, some of you are being ruined by sin and you're trying to do it in your own strength all by yourself. And so you experience these unmet expectations and it puts you in a tornado of emotions and a cycle that you can never get out of. And, and you don't have safe people in your life and you don't have the word of God and you don't have God's people and it's no wonder, it's no wonder things feel so depressing today in your life. Like there's no hope. So what does Joseph do? What do you need to do? I would say things are gonna get better when you trust Jesus in the moment. Whatever moment you're in today, you trust him in that moment. For some of you, that moment is you need him to forgive you. You need a relationship with Jesus. For some of you, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, but you're, you're, you're not in safe relationships. You're not pursuing Jesus. And so the unmet expectations in your life are beginning to, to ruin you. Like Joseph, we need to submit to God's plan. Fear not, he said. And when, when, when we follow God's plan, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Oftentimes it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to trust him. It's not easy to, to follow him in the midst of a storm. We constantly become inward focused on, on, on what, what's happening in our minds and our heart. And, and it's a little scary. But when we're following Jesus, when we're trusting him, the peace of God that transcends all understanding begins to fill us. And that only happens when you and I walk by faith. Some of you are, are walking, you know, by fear. You're walking by frustration. You're walking in anxiety. And the scripture would invite you to walk by faith. Here's what uh, the, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse six. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the Bible, in the body, in other words, when we are on earth, like this one life that we give, we get, we know that while we are at home in the body, we're alive, we're away from the Lord. In other words, we're not in heaven. And while we're on planet earth, living our life, not in heaven, where we are to walk by faith, not by sight. We've got to walk by faith. We've got to walk by faith, be of good courage and walk by faith, not sight. 
I think this is one of the biggest hurdles we constantly trip over in our life. We don't walk by faith, we walk by anxiety, we walk by worry, and we try to figure out what God is doing. We spend more time thinking about how God is is gonna figure this out instead of watching him actually work. And so you've gotta release this idea that you need to know everything that God is doing. You're not, it's impossible. You gotta release that idea. You gotta release the idea that you have to be able to figure out how he's going to figure something out. Walking by faith means you're not gonna know everything. And walking by faith means that you're not gonna be able to figure out how God is gonna actually make it all work out. So we trust him even when it's scary. You do your part, walk by faith, do your part, be faithful, work hard, right? Follow and live a righteous life. And then we let him work. And then we keep walking by faith and we keep trusting him and we have courage in him and God's gonna come through for you, right? And I want you to hear this today before you leave. You might wanna write this down. Things are better than you think. In fact, I want you to help me preach today. Can you guys help me? Turn to the person beside you and say, things are better than you think. Could you tell them right now? Just lean over and just tell them. They needed to hear that. (laughs) Things are better than you think. We think the end of the world. Oh my gosh, God's never going to be able to do this. (laughs) And then we come to Christmas and we remember what God has already done. (laughs) We remember the hope that he gave us. It was a miracle birth that a virgin is now carrying the son of God. It is a miracle that Jesus left heaven and came in the form of a man, right? Things are better than you think because Jesus was born, hallelujah, Christmas. Jesus died for you and Jesus is alive today, right? That's how we know that things are gonna get better ultimately. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have faced this year, The word of God would tell us that God is with you, right? Emmanuel means God with us. And so God is with you today. He's with you even when things are hard. He's with you even when things are difficult. And he knows exactly what you're going through. In fact, he knows what it's like to go through difficult things. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be hurting. But because he was born, because he died on the cross and because he is alive today, every single one of us can experience his forgiveness. Every single one of us can experience the the idea and hope of Christmas that Jesus came to save us from our sins. He, He can offer that to you. And some of you today have never given Jesus your life. You've never said yes to him. You've never given your life to him. And and I wanna encourage you to do that today. In fact, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Those of you that are believers today, maybe you've gotten away from the, the idea of walking by faith and you're just walking by your own strength, worried, upset. And Jesus would invite you to trust him today. And like Joseph, fear not. 
do your part, walk by faith. Don't act rashly, right? Trust him, alter your plans, guided by safe people and the word of God and trust Jesus in this moment. Let me invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. If we could just be quiet in the room, there are some people in the room, maybe even watching online today that need to give their life to Jesus. And you know that, that that's been true for you. And for whatever reasons, today is just that moment where you just feel like this is the time that you need to give your life to Jesus. And so you've heard the gospel maybe a hundred times, but maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's the situation that you're in. Maybe God has spoken to you today and you realize that the cross was Jesus paying for your sins and taking your place. And he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death so that you could have forgiveness, so that you could have the promise of a new life. And so that you could, yes, be with him in heaven when you die. If that's you today, would you just simply tell him this? God, I confess that I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life right here, right now. Save me. I commit my life to you in this moment. I trust you in this moment. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now look at me, if you pray that prayer, if that is a step of faith that you've taken today, I'd love to know. I'd love for you to text me. Just text FC Decision to the number 97000. It's right on the screens. Just get your phone out, text that number, and just give us your name. And we're gonna love on you, pray for you. We'll give you any kind of help that we possibly can. But if you're not gonna tell us, tell somebody that you came with today. Stop by the care and prayer room out in the atrium where where our folks would, would love to, to help you in whatever situation you're facing. Man, I, I hope you guys are, were encouraged today and leave with a little bit of hope. That was some great music. This was a great time just to be in the presence of God. And I pray that in the hustle and bustle of this week, you'll continue to keep Jesus as your focus. We'll see you online for Christmas Eve. Let me pray over you guys this morning before we bounce. Lord, God, we love you. We thank you for Christmas. And I thank you that there are some men and women in the room who are about to quit, who are about to walk away from you. But today, God, they have decided, they put a stake in the ground and they're gonna say, you know what? We're gonna walk by faith. Jesus was born, Jesus died, but he is alive and well today. And that gives us hope. And that gives us hope. Help us to have the faith of Joseph. Help us even in the midst of fear, in the midst of chaos, that we would slow down, consider the right move and the right decision and follow and trust you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.